I'm really good. You catch up to me, we're going to have a great time today. Alright? How many of you woke up not so good, but you're willing to get there? Alright, I appreciate your honesty. and uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a great morning person, to be really honest with you. So I don't always wake up chipper and ready to face the day. But I'm willing to get there. And, uh, and I just I have a little chat with God, and usually I get there. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but I get there. Are you with me? <laughs> so I'm excited to, to just continue on the series here. Um, just really felt like God was just calling me to do four weeks in a row. Um, I love sharing the podium. I love sharing. Um, and sharing is caring, right? So I, I love, love, love empowering others, building up the body, and elevating others, allowing my ceiling to become their floor. And I love, it's an honor to share this podium uh, often with my dad and my brother. And uh, I'm just super excited about that. But for these four weeks, I just really felt led uh, to do these four series right here. Uh, so we started with trust last week. And uh, I just want to share a story of kind of what that led to in our group. And uh, if you're not in a life group, here's a big plug for you. And uh, it was just phenomenal. It was crazy what happened. Um, I'm not going to go into details because what happens in life group stays in life group. Um, but I want to share the goodness of some atmosphere type things. Uh, first off, we started talking about the Ishmaels in our life. And at the, towards the end of our group, we just opened it up to discuss the Ishmaels. The things that we didn't necessarily trust God in. That we just naturally just decided to please our flesh. And we made decisions or did things. And then we ended up with Ishmaels in our life. Curses and just different things. And, and one, one family began to share. And, and he was just saying that when he was 17, year old, 17 years old, he ended up getting with somebody that was not really God's will. He was pursuing the fleshly desires of his heart. And it led to 10 years of destruction. Led to all these different issues and did things. And then a divorce. And he's still dealing with issues of those Ishmaels in his life from the age of decision-making at 17 years old. All of a sudden, an atmosphere changed, something broke open, and everybody just started sharing. And then uh, one, one amazing lady in the group started sharing about something uh, that happened to her when she was very young. And uh, she, she basically got pregnant at a young age, and then she was rejected, and the friends uh, that she was friends with were no longer allowed to be with her. The parents looked down upon her, all these different things. And all of a sudden, you know, she's weeping, we're crying, everybody's just... And then we start to speak encouraging words over her. We're just praying, and God, the ladies are laying hands on her, and God just begins to replace rejection with acceptance. Amen. And then all of a sudden, Kurt, you know, he opens up, he's like, well, on behalf of that guy, I just apologize. He breaks down, and, and I tell you what, it was just a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and it's been a while since I've seen it just naturally like that. It's easy to see that stuff at altar call. It's easy to see that stuff when you cultivate it and you go in expecting it. But when you're just coming into a life group just to do life, just to grow closer to God and closer to each other, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit breaks down every wall, breaks down every uh, bit of pride and shame, and there's such a safe place where people can be vulnerable. That's what church is supposed to look like. That's what his body's supposed to look like. You know, and then I look, there's a picture that Nicole put on Instagram and Facebook. You know, you got these ladies just kneeling down praying over this sweet, sweet, amazing person. And that's what church is, right? So it's just, but that was based on trust and it was based on kind of what I preached on last week. Andre and Ashley, they end up leading group, did a fantastic job. He, he, he told the group, he's like, don't ever talk to Aaron after church. 
Because he was talking to me after last week's service, and he's like, man, I can't believe you preached on trust. Ashley and I were reading this book together. It's amazing. And, and you're, you preach on trust, and then all of a sudden, you know, this is everything the book is saying, and just to get charged and plug in and operate being full. And I was like, that is awesome. You're leading group this week and talking about that. He looks at me like deer in headlights. So, but they did a fantastic job. He was prepared and he was ready. And, and I tell you what, they came in ready to be vulnerable, ready to be open. And them doing that and having that safety and that life and that victory to do that was just, it set the stage and the atmosphere for God to operate the way he needed. And it was awesome. So I'm encouraged today and I, and I hope you are too. Are you? Good. We live in the best times ever. Um, I know there's a ton of stuff going on in, uh, in Iraq, and I know there's a ton of stuff going on still in Israel and all these different things all around the universe. But a Tuesday or two ago, last Tuesday, we, we were going around and, and uh, we had prayer night. And by the way, prayer, it's something different each week, but 7.30 on Tuesdays, you're all invited. It's a corporate prayer night, and uh, every Tuesday, I think this Tuesday's art. So creativity, writing. Uh, poetry, anything, anything. God's releasing creative spirit. He wants us to grab onto it. If you're called to write a book, you need to, you need to pursue it. If you're called to start up a radio station or whatever, but it could be the fine arts, it could be the, the, the dance, it could be drama, flat, whatever. It's all this art. So this Tuesday, but anyway, there, we were there last Tuesday just soaking, and then we went around just thinking about things that bring us joy. We're in this challenge, 28 Days of Joy. So if you're seeing that on Facebook with the hashtag 28 Days of Joy, um, that's what it is. We're just joining in on this thing with GMA and, and Leif about just remembering what brings us joy, not taking things for granted. Like, like Tiana said, it's exciting her because she's going through each day trying to figure out what brings her joy. And she's trying to figure out which is the best one to post a picture of because she's limiting herself to one. So she's like, but what it does is it's setting the tone for her whole day to intentionally find what's bringing her joy. So it helps us to not overlook the little things. I was up this morning and seeing the sunrise and the sun come over the trees, and I was like, that brings me joy. You know, and typically we just overlook little things like that, the sky. I was thinking this week, how beautiful is God that every morning he gives us a different sunrise. There is no sunrise or sunset that ever looks the same, right? There's different cloud patterns and different colors coming up. And isn't that amazing? And I just begin to let that speak prophetically and encourage me over my life that every day is a new day. Every day is a fresh start. Every day is going to look different than the day before. And uh, so, you know, it's just a, a great challenge we're in. But uh, I'm excited for the season we're in. I'm excited for where we're headed. Um, there's a couple things I, I wrote just a, a couple weeks ago. I don't even know if I've tweeted it yet. I think I just journaled it. Um, you're like, man, what is all this talk? If you're over like 50... You're hearing words like tweet, Instagram, Facebook. Welcome to 2014, right? Here we are. Even my grandma Lola has Facebook. It's amazing. I, I love that. Um, but here we are, right? How many have absolutely refused to jump into the multimedia social club? You've refused. I'm proud of you. Stand strong if that's what you don't want to do. Uh, Last week I was going to get on there because there's just a bunch of silly stuff being posted from some people I know. And I was almost going to say, save the drama for your papa. You ever heard the expression, save the drama for your mama? I was like, Facebook, for us in this room, should not be a place of drama. It should be a place that we shine light. We are the salt and light into the world, including Facebook world, right? 
I get so sick and tired of people personally attacking other people on Facebook. If you've got an issue with somebody, how about we get back to the word where it says, if you've got an odd against your brother, let him know about it. Amen. Yeah, confront him about it. Facebook in front of everybody else is probably not the best idea. I'd be like me up here with a microphone confronting somebody that offended me this week. Right? <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's just what we're living in. But those of you who don't want to do it, don't do it. The internet, social media, it's a loaded gun, right? It can be used for really, really great good things, but it can also be very destructive. So we've got to be careful. Anyway, let's preach. I want to tell a joke first that I saw on Facebook. Don't judge me. I gotta find where it went. Oh, there it is. I was like, when I turned it sideways, I lost where my Facebook app is. Oh wait, no, I had it up on my phone. There it is. All right, one one quick joke, and then we're just gonna get right into preaching. Okay? What does a nosy pepper do? What does a nosy pepper do? It's jalapeno business. Like jalapeno right now. It's jalapeno up in your business. You know? I guess you gotta see that one. Anyway, that was from Nathan Fott, if you guys remember him. So I saw that through the week just pop up. I was like, that's pretty good. Alright, now I'll preach. So this is week two, and we've already recapped what week one was. That's I was gonna do that initially. Um, so we're, we're gonna start preaching now. And uh, I, I'm excited. Two of the favorite things I preach about is love and family. Because family is the foundation of the earth. Family, it started with family, it's going to end with family. Love is, so, so family is the functioning unit of love. That's what I've always said. Family is the functioning unit of love. Family is the organizational structure of heaven, and it always will be. But love is always the foundation, because God is what? Love. So everything he has done, everything he does, and everything he's going to do is love. One of the things I was going to share with you is I'm so glad in the season we're in. But I'm so glad in the seasons we've been. Okay, so we have to grow to appreciate that, even good and bad. And Nicole and I, we were talking last night. You know, are, are you thankful from where we came from? Would we appreciate what we have now as much as we do if we didn't go through those seasons of hardships? And she says, well, I probably could, but I don't know that you could. And I don't know what that means yet. But I'm going to sit on that one. I don't know if that was a compliment or a dig. But, but anyway, the, the deal is this. We, we had a, a three years of our marriage. The first three years was a, was a big hardship. And we, we did not think we were going to make it. And we were facing divorce. And, and then all of a sudden, God birthed in me a pursuit in Him. And He birthed in me a hunger to actually pursue Him in righteousness. And to pursue Him with all I got. And He encountered me. And He filled me up with His love. And, and I've, I've been on a growing course ever since, right? I've never been the same, but I'll never be the same because I never want to reach a place where we've arrived. So looking back the last eight years of our marriage, which if you do the math, that's 11. We've been married 11 years and counting. Yeah, God deserves some glory on that one, especially when I was a heathen. But anyway, once we look back, it's so cool to see that even like that fourth year was so amazing. We didn't know marriage could be that good. And then the fifth year was even better. And the sixth year was even better than that. And then the seventh year, and it just keeps getting better. So as you look back, it makes those first three years look so much worse than even they were when we were in it. Because now we see what we have. Okay, so now let's take that through the seasons of our life and even the seasons of our ministry. Because we honor the past. We live in the present. 
but we look to the future. We honor the past, we live in the present, but we look to the future. And I wrote this in my journal, it says, I'm thankful for where we've been, where we've came from, because see, there's two different things. There's two different things that I'm thankful where I came from means I didn't want to be there anymore, right? So I'm also thankful for where we've been because I'm glad we were there, um, but I'm also glad we came out and we're no longer there. So I'm thankful for where we've been, where we've came from, where we are, but where we're going. And that's in every area of my life, in this church, in our family, in my marriage, in my job. I'm thankful for the season which I've had behind me, but I'm thankful for right where God's placed me right now at this moment. But I'm also thankful for where he's taking me to. How many agree with me? We need to look at our lives like that. I can't live a life of regret, not thanking God for where he brought me from. But I also don't want to stay right where I am always because I don't want to reach a place it certainly wouldn't be humble to reach a place and say, I've arrived. And I just want to stay here. I don't, I don't want to look at anything new. I don't want to go any deeper. Listen, glory to glory is upgrade to upgrade. Goodness to goodness. I think we're going to survive here. Are we, we good here? If the battery cuts out, I think I have another one somewhere. Let's just get one on retainer here. Somebody can find me on wireless. Okay. So here we go. Um, I want to read a quote that Jay, uh, Jay told me about. She handed it to Nicole last week, and I, I kind of came up with my own. But here's what Jay said based on the four weeks we're going into. He said, if we trust in him, thank you, amazing. If we trust in him and his love, we will have joy and peace of mind. And he said, thank you, Jesus. So if we trust in him and his love, then we will have joy and peace. But here's what I said. Trust opens, up, opens you up to love and be loved. So here's where I'm going today. Trust opens us up. So first we establish a foundation of trust because faith is, trust is what faith is built on. Amen. So once we understand that God created the heavens and the earth and God created me and God loves me, God died on a cross for me and I trust his ability to work in my inability in my life. I cannot save myself. I cannot give myself a spiritual gift. I cannot give myself the fire of God, the, the gift of any of the manifestations, right? So that's my inability to do it, but I trust in his ability through my inability. Amen. So trust is established there. So then I said trust opens you up to love and be loved. And joy is the effects of being loved. Shame is the emotion of being rejected. So trust opens us up to love and be loved. And joy is the effect of being loved. And peace then is the product of the harmony of trust, love, and joy. Do you need me to say that one more time? little wordy. Trust opens you up to love and be loved, and joy is the effects of being loved. Peace, then, is the product of the harmony of trust, love, and joy. So as we work through this, we trust God, we be loved and love, then we experience joy, which produces peace in our life. So here, here's where we are today, love. And I've never experienced love like I've experienced the last two years. That's why I share about it a lot. But I don't think I should ever be ashamed about preaching love more than anything else since it is in the Bible more than anything else. The greatest gift is what? God is what? So here we, we talk about, well, we should preach more about this or more about that or focus on this or focus on that. I believe God's main focus is love. I believe that's his higher calling was love. And as he got up on the higher calling called the cross, it was a demonstration, a sign, a demonstration showing us love. 
right? So here we are to this point of love. And, but I want to focus on something. I want to read an excerpt out of a book that Nicole and I are working and, and reading through. I was going to try to quote it and, and steal it and act like it was mine, but I just don't feel ethical doing that. Okay? So in a couple weeks, I will, and it'll be mine. So this time, I'm going to give Eric Smith the credit for it, and then I'll probably reference it in general once more. Then it becomes mine. Okay? Is that a deal? Okay. So here's, here's what he wrote in his book, and we're reading it's about. It's called the... The Art of Women and the Science of Manhood. And it's, and it's really about how the original design of what God created, this lid is on so incredibly tight I can't get it in one hand. There we go. So here's what it says. The most basic truth is that God loves us. This truth is the foundation of what it means to be human. It sustains us. For the very essence of who we are is from God. Experiencing and believing that you are loved is the source of human health and prerequisite to healthy relationships. The serpent was aware of this and lied to the woman. He made several statements, some true and some false, but the core message was a lie. The lie was, God doesn't love you, and you can't trust him. You must take matters into your own hands. When the woman believed she wasn't loved, she couldn't trust. This rupture in her relationship with God soon showed up in her marriage. So the basic foundation of trust is love. And they, they complement each other. It's where Jesus is saying, you know, God's saying, abide in me and I in you, right? So there's this complementary thing going on with love and trust. And, and I just love how Eric worded that and he wrote that. So, so the enemy, the serpent, lied to her. And this moment she began to believe and to come into an agreement with that lie, Right? The Bible talks about agreeing in anything, he'll do it. Correct? So we can either agree with the truths of the word of God and the truths and the promises of God, but if we actually come in agreement with a lie, then that's what we'll do. Amen. We're actually coming to an agreement with a lie when we begin to believe that God does not love us. When we begin to believe that we are not a son and my identity is not in sonship with the spirit of adoption. We begin to believe a lie when we say God's not so powerful today and still doesn't heal today and still isn't all today. <laughs> I must have grabbed a, ooh, that's got some reverb on it, some echo on it. Hook me up, brothers. Dustin, you might need to go back there and help out. So, here, here's brought me to a good conclusion. <laughs> Love. Jesus. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> And the fire of God! Woo! Woo! Uh, they took it out. Anyway, I, I'll need just a little less of my monitors. Um, but anyway, so here's, here's what I've come to today. And this is what I've been up all week and just, just studying this morning is I had this, this revelation. I was driving down the road and, and honestly I was kind of thinking about Kendra and I was just thinking about her going to Atlanta and I'm like, wow, you know, she's going to be a reflection of us. I, I, I hope she's a good reflection of us. We have friends at Bethel Atlanta. I'm friends with Scott Thompson and, you know, Mama Jen and Papa Leif go there and, and I'm friends with the Stockmans and all these people, you know, and I'm friends with the senior pastor there and I'm like, oh boy, I hope she's not late going to meetings. You know, these are some of the things that like were on my mind just honestly, you know, any parents ever felt that way? Okay, and I'm like, okay God, it doesn't matter because I don't want to be prideful. My identity doesn't come in how Kendra represents me, all right? So that's the reality. But anyway, this was a thought. 
So then I started thinking, well, you know, we are a reflection of Jesus. So God began to download to me that we were made in his image. What's an image? An image is actually a reflection. So we were created in the image of God, right? So therefore, we become a reflection of him no matter where we go or who we're around, good or bad. So now we have a choice. How are we going to represent or represent Jesus to everybody around us? Because we're made in his image and we become a mirrored image of who he is in us. The greater the revelation and the greater the experience with Jesus, the greater reflection we're going to have of him, right? And one of the things that's been on my wife and I's heart is to give our children a good perception of who God really is. That God is not just, just judgmental God waiting to judge us. He's also a loving father. He's loving and just because he wants to bring justice anywhere where there's an injustice. Amen. Right? If that's sin, then that's sin. If it's something else, but if it's pain in your body, that's an injustice because that doesn't reside in heaven. And he gives us the authority in Luke 9 in heaven and on earth to bind and to loose. We bind anything that's earthly. Today in the prayer, we bound anything that was earthly and we loosed heaven into that situation. We loosed God. So anything that's in your body that's not in heaven is actually an injustice. Anything that's in your heart that's not in heaven is an injustice. If there's impurity, if there's pornography addiction, if there's substance abuse, that's an injustice. And I believe that God's loving and just and he wants to bring justice to the unjust. Amen. Right? So here we are just with this reflection and, and we, we're made in his image. So, so we want to represent him and all around us. So who is God? He is love. So, so the verse in... in and Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So seek first God. First seek Jesus in everything you do. And I would propose to you today that anything that you're seeking above God actually becomes an idol. There's so many things that I'm a part of that in itself is not unhealthy. I love to deer hunt. I love to fish. I love to go to coffee shops. I love the new... Meth, the old new method of, of pour over coffee. I love it and I love to experience beans from all over the world and just experience this, this little thing in a cup called heaven called coffee. I love it. But if I'm seeking that above seeking the kingdom and God and his lifestyle, living righteousness, his lifestyle, then all of a sudden now I'm in idolatry. So here we are, we need to seek first his kingdom and him. Who is he? He is love. So here's a God that I'm seeking. Here's a God that I'm reflecting and representing as I'm supposed to as a believer, right? But all of a sudden, if I don't know God is love, then how can I reflect God? He's love. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Say an amen to that. Amen. It's not, it doesn't say it's fear that leads men to repentance. It's not hell that leads men to repentance. It's what? The goodness of God. It's the love of the Father that actually brings sons to the heart of the Father. And the fathers to the hearts of the children. It's the love. Perfect love casts out what? All fear. So it's God's love. And I'm going to take just a different spin on it today for you just to, because I believe that we're limited and we're capped in the ability to love. And our capability to love others can only go beyond how we love ourselves. So that's where I'm really going to dial in here in a minute. So unconditional love is really love that seeks the highest of the other person no matter what they do or don't do. It is self-giving without asking anything in return. Amen. 
Agape love is love that doesn't ask for anything back. It's not based on conditions or circumstances or what you can offer me. Agape love is the love that the Father had for us to send His Son into the world to die for her. Yet while we were what? Sinners. We want to clean ourselves up. We want to do all this. But the problem is we can't see ourselves as saints because we're still seeing ourselves as sinners. But the reality is on that cross, Jesus died on. Every bit of our sin died on that cross with him. Because in Romans, it says that we are dead to sin. And we're alive in Christ. Through the Gospels, through the New Testament, we are a new creature in Christ. Amen? So we died to sin and we died on that cross with Jesus himself the moment he died on the cross. But yet, we still see ourselves as these rugged, trashy, nasty sinners. Jesus didn't die for you to remain a nasty piece of garbage. He died for you because He calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a holy generation, a chosen people. That's who He calls you to be. But yet, we're still seeing ourselves up here begging for the mercy seat of Jesus begging as if we don't have a right to be there in his presence. Because we still have the mindset of paupers. But he's called us to be princes. Chris Valentine preaches a great message on paupers and princes. And that's the problem. And we can't love ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. One of the easiest things to do is to forgive somebody else or to love somebody else. Because I believe God puts this inherent ability, even as much as we probably wouldn't even want it, to be compassionate, to love others. Even when I want to be mad at somebody, I still can't help but just love them. And it's painted a good perception of your own children. Because that's agape love. When we talk about other people, that's emotional love, that's filial love, that's, that's physical love, that's, that's emotional love, and that's stringent upon how I feel and how what you're doing for me. But a good painting of agape love, unconditional love, is the love you have for your children. And if you don't yet have children, the closest thing you have to what would be a child, and I'm not talking about dogs or cats. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew, or maybe it's just you're in awe of somebody. And I believe that God's asking for that same love in return for Him. Amen. Last week's message was based on trust. I don't have to see something to love you, God. I don't have to see something to trust you, God. I trust you, you'll show me. Not show me, then I'll trust you. God has a calling on your life, and he's calling you up out of the hawk pins. He's calling you up off of that cross, and he's calling you to be a saint. He's calling you to be a son. He's calling you to be a daughter. And to live as such. Let's get into some scripture here. I preached a message that was talking about love. And I boiled it down to two things, love God and love people. The problem is I missed one of the things that's in that scripture that says this, and we're just going to go to Matthew 22, 37 through 40. I'll backtrack just a second here. Jesus replied, listen, the people are trying to hang him up and ask him all these trick questions, right? He's like, well, what's the great, they're asking, what's the greatest commandment? If you could sum up all the, what's the greatest one? What's the most important one, Jesus? Because you listed 10, but which is, which is the best one? 
And he says this. He says, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He's summing it up. Love me and love your neighbor as yourself. But that's what we miss out on a lot. We've got to love God and love people. I've seen that as many churches' slogans. Love God, love people. What about loving yourself? Because you can only love people to the capacity you love yourself. Everybody's like, there's no way he's going here on love. I am. I'm telling you to fall in love with yourself because your Savior already has. I'm telling you it's okay to love yourself, not worship yourself. It's not where I'm going. I'm saying it's okay to forgive yourself. It's okay to look at yourself the way Jesus looks at you with his goggles. Let's just, let's just keep going here. The Bible says in John 13, 35, it says, How will they know you're my disciples? By the love you show one towards the other, right? But I'm here to say that you can't show love to somebody else until you have love for yourself because that's the capacity of our ability. And we can't offer agape love until we experience agape love. We can't give something we don't have. We can't minister something I don't have. I can't minister up here on love if I've not experienced the love. I can only give you what I have. So, so here we are, and, and I just I want to paint a couple pictures. I'm in the emergency industry, and it's, it's very fun to be a paramedic. It's very fun to be a firefighter. One of my favorite things that I just started in the last year or two is actually a fire investigator. Now, that's a lot of fun. It's like I get to go in and look at all these clues, put together this puzzle, and figure out how or who started this fire. It's actually pretty awesome. Because from the time I was a little kid, my favorite show was Cops. Anybody else like Cops? And, and Nick. Me, me, me. That's Cop of the Year, two times running. Woo! blessed to have that man there. So anyway, he, he, that was my favorite show. And then uh, my parents, they watched NYPD Blue for many, many, many years. And I, and I watched it, you know, I was like 14 years old, watching it, possibly going to bed with nightmares, but here anyway, I was watching it. No, but here's the, I love that show. And uh, that was just something we connected with. My dad was a cop, and, and at least in law enforcement, pretty much my whole upbringing, and um, some form of it. And then, so I love that. And then I was like, I always wanted to be a detective. But to be a detective, you usually have to get on the force and work the streets for a long time. And I was like, well, that's just too hard of work. I just want to go straight to detective or straight to undercover, you know? So then I pursued business. Absolutely nothing to do with the other. I started to see money, and I wanted it, and I knew being a cop was not where the money was. Or ministry. Or firefighting. But here I am. <laughs> so I pursued it for a few years, and it just wasn't for me. So then I was like, hey, my brother's a fireman. He works one day, gets two days off. I can run a business. Man, this is looking pretty sweet. So I became a firefighter. And uh, so anyway, so recently I became an investigator, and I'm doing what I always dreamed to do, even though I didn't know I'd end up where I'm ending up. I'm an investigator. I'm a detective in the fire industry, but never thought that this was going to bridge to where I am. Isn't that sweet? God takes, and that's what, just trusting him. The, the first few years, I did it on my own. I'm going to be in business. And all of a sudden, God circles me back around. And now I'm writing a book called Radical Risk. I'm excited for this book. 
Because I've been asking my wife, and it's like, well, Aaron, you know, sometimes he's like Joel Stockstill, sometimes he's like, you know, Blake, or sometimes, I don't know who I am. I'm just discovering it, because I'm a big, I'm a little boy with a big daddy. Right? And when people add value to you, you begin to look like them, right? When, when, when a quarterback has a coach in the NFL, he begins to do things that that coach was doing, right? So, so that's, and, and sometimes I might sound like that. And so here, carrying an apostolic anointing, per se, now I begin to operate in all of them. So I'm like, I'm so confused. I don't even know what God's having me do. That's okay. I'll do it all. But here's, here's, here's the point of that is I'm writing this book on radical risk because why does God have me in the fire department, one of the riskiest jobs on the planet, but yet have me as a pastor in the church too? Because I'm a risk taker. And you can't make dead more dead, right? That's the kind of concepts I'm writing in my book. So I'm excited for that. But here's the point is, is that God brings us in this full circle, but the reality is through all of that process, I had to learn that I am not a sinner, I am not this, I am not that, I am not this person, I am not a, a copycat of this person. I am me. Because everybody else is taken. So I need to start loving me. And I need to start letting God work on me. Amen. Before I can work on anybody else. So, so the last year I've taken this back seat to, to invest in me. And invest in my wife and our kids. Just the last year we've been very intentional about that. Every night praying, every night doing Bible studies with my kids, every night just connecting with my wife. Because I can, if I don't do good in my home, I can't do good in the kingdom. I need to rule my own home. So, so this is a great opportunity, but I need to start loving me because I couldn't start loving others. And I'll be honest with you. I was the type of guy that didn't love anybody. Matt, he went to Kings Island this week. It was very exciting for him. He's a little like me. We honestly can't stand Kings Island. Okay? It's hot, there's lines, it's crowded, you wait an hour to get a 37 second ride, you know, it's, then you always leave with a headache. What is up with that? And he was telling me the, after the very first ride he had a headache. What was that new ride called here? The Banshee. Banshee, automatic prescription for a headache right there. Then from that one, he went to the worst ride in the park for headaches called Adventure Express. That thing just jars you all around. But here's the point. I would go to those places and I would hate people. I would hate them. I would not want to be around them. This, this, that was where my heart was several years ago. And the problem is, I began to change and, and then I started, well, I should love people now. I love God. I should love people now because I love God. The reality was I was falling in love with God, but I wasn't in love with God. Falling means it was an accident. God didn't fall in love with you. He loved you from the beginning of earth before you were in your mother's wombs. Yes, he didn't fall in love with you. He loved you. He chose to love you. He didn't fall on the cross. He placed himself on the cross and died for you. I'm not falling in love with God. I'm in love with God because he first loves me. Amen. Right? Fell in love meant it was an accident. I didn't fall anywhere. I chose to love God. But I didn't love people and started, started, until I started loving myself. When I started to get that, yes, I'm a son and my daddy, he loves me. And I begin to get this message of love. Well, now there's freedom now in loving people because I'm loving them and I'm seeing how peculiar they are, how different they are, how much value they can add to wherever they are and to me. And I'm no longer looking and focusing on what they can't do and who they're not. I'm focusing on who they are and where their destinies are. Not their history, but their destiny. 
And as I begin to love myself, and I begin to say, man, while I was wretched and while I was yet still sinning, God loved me. While I was on that floor laying passed out trying to commit suicide, God loved me. While I was drunk, while I was doing this with this girl, God loved me. And as I begin to get that picture in my head, like, God loves me like that. God loved me like that. He rescued me from that. Now all of a sudden I'm seeing people with that destiny. I'm seeing people, this is a world changer here. This, this person here, they're called to go to the schools and change the schools. They're not called to be just conformed to a system, but they're called to conform a system. Amen. And transform it. Right? So all of a sudden I started loving myself and I started seeing myself the way God, the Father, the way heaven sees me. And now all of a sudden there's freedom because I can see others like that. But that didn't come. I couldn't love others until I loved myself. So let's get through a couple more scriptures. And then let's paint the picture I was painting. Okay, so in the emergency industry, okay, that was a large bunny trail, but I'm not going to do too many of those today. In the emergency industry, we are trained to go once the scene is saved. At least the firefighters and the EMTs. We do not enter a scene. We do not go. Now the cops, they may. All right? They're just a different breed of people. All right? I let them clear out the place, and then I'll go in and help somebody. That's typically how it works. But here's the deal. I cannot give this person oxygen unless I have oxygen. Let's let, let me paint a different picture that all of you can relate to. How many have been on an airplane? Can anybody like stand up and do that? Anybody do that? So the, the stewardess, they stand up and they give you this lecture and they have the, the unattached mask that looks like a duck bill. You think over the last 77 years, they could have changed those to be a little more form-fitting on your faces? But the reality is, if I have to put that thing on, how much good is it really going to do? It's like seatbelts and airplanes. Don't quite get that. But here's the deal. The thing, they're talking about that thing dropping and they're tightening the elastic, and they always say, put the mask on yourself before you help the person to the next of you. Right? Because what good are you to them if you die because you didn't put oxygen on yourself? You're no good. You're flailing around. Oh, I have no oxygen. I can't live. I can't help you. <laughs> so here's the deal. You've got to help yourself before you can help somebody else. The Bible says present yourselves, yourself, a living sacrifice. Yeah. It doesn't say present everybody around you a living sacrifice to him. That would look kind of weird, especially Old Testament time, wouldn't it? There'd be a lot of murder up in that place. Present yourself a living sacrifice. He's asking you to present you. He's asking you to love you. So, so let's go to Scripture now. And then the music team can come up. And I, I want to just, I want to dwell in 1 John 4 for a little bit. 1 John 4, I'm going to read it out to you. First John 4, we're going to close it up here. And I'll just need the prayer team to get ready, and Matt, and anybody else. Here's the deal. First John 4 says this. Dear friends, and I'm, I'm going to just read 7 through 21. I, I might skip a few. So John's actually commissioning for the third time. He's actually... Commissioning for the third time and stresses the love as a test of the Christian life. So here's what he says. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. 
Anyone who loves the child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lo lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we will live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We now know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. Say, put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence. One version says we can boldly approach the throne. Because I'm confident. I know who I am. Because I know whose I am. Because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love casts out fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. Two more verses. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Listen but we can't love our Christian brothers and sisters until we experience the love of the Father that reveals the love He has for us individually. Listen, God loves you. He is crazy about you. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you've done the last year. It doesn't matter what you've done the last decade. God is in love with you. You are His happy thought. And I know we say this a lot, and I know it becomes crazy, and it's like, ah. But listen. This is a paradigm shift because as we begin to experience sonship, identity as son, then all of a sudden everything else in our lives change because we can see people the way they were meant to be seen, the way God designed them for. Just stay with me. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I want to love well. But it starts with loving God and being loved by God. I'm just going to be honest with you. Before the last couple of years, this was just knowledge to me. I would just read out of the Bible and it really took no effect because I hadn't had that encounter with his love. I hadn't had that revelation because it wasn't tangible to me. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden it, it changed. And, and today, it says today is the day of salvation. Salvation is birthed from love by what Jesus already did on the cross. Not based on what we did. It's not by works that we're saved. It's by grace through faith, right? Because we trust that Jesus did that. We trust that everything that we did is on that cross. Many of us, we keep reliving these sin cycles because we keep reliving as a sinner. We're sinners saved by grace. You're now saved by grace. So you live as a grace-filled believer who's confident to know that their daddy loves them. Listen, I understand that in repentance. I, I believe in that. 
And I believe that how often should we repent? I mentioned it last week. As often as our thoughts don't align with what heaven is doing or who heaven is. How often should we repent when we don't align with heaven? Right? You guys can start playing. So here's the deal. Today, we're just, I'm going to have an open invitation. And it might be an invitation of salvation because really, maybe you haven't loved yourself because you've not experienced God's love. And it is so easy, so easy to forgive others. It's so easy to, to look past my kids' love. It's so easy to look, look past no matter what they do and still love them. So easy to do that. It's so easy to forgive others. But one of the hardest things we can do is love ourselves and forgive ourselves. Now, many of you, you've, you've been on roads that were similar or worse than mine, maybe. I certainly didn't love myself. And, and I'm, I'm closing here, but I just, I just want to share this briefly, and I'll probably talk on a little bit more next week. Enjoy. Robin Williams passed away this week. Really, really just let me discover some things. You know him, but this kind of makes it hit home and it's all over the news. This is a guy that was the top of his career field. He had all the fame you could imagine, all the money you could imagine, but yet he had no joy in his life. And, and, and I, was, I was meeting with Aaron this week, and, and it's just amazing to see him back today. But here's the deal. We, we were just talking, and he always had to put on a show. And, and they said even when he was in rehab, he still found acceptance in acting and being funny for people around him. So he was really never allowed to be himself. He was never allowed to just be transparent and real with how he's really feeling. Depression's a real thing. I'm not discrediting that. It's real. It's tangible. It's, it's, a, it's a disease. But here's the deal. Here's a man that had everything on the planet that you could imagine as natural success, right? But yet had no joy, had no peace in his life. And wasn't really happy. And he wasn't loving himself. Because he hadn't experienced the tangible love of Jesus. And I'm just, this is an invitation today. And we're not going to have anybody come up and pray until you're already here. Because we want to just come in behind you and just love on him. We want you to experience an encounter with Jesus. So there's, there's a two-part call here. First off, if you don't know Jesus, is, listen, we, we, we see miracles in this place. And it is so easy in this atmosphere of our church to see 20, 30 miracles in a day. We'll see backs healed, knees healed, arthritis healed, and they walk out of here and they never walk back in with arthritis ever again. It's awesome. I love that. But the greatest miracle in all of creation is when Jesus came to earth and he got up on that cross. He didn't fall on it. He chose to love and he chose to get up on that cross and die for each one of us individually. He didn't die collectively for a whole group. We have to individualize it. If it was only you on this earth, if it was only Adam from the beginning of time that turned his heart against Jesus, he would have died for just one of you. And that's the thing. We start thinking, well, Jesus died for the whole world. He did, but he made it individually because he gives you the choice to accept it or not individually. Not to just fall into it, but to choose it because he loves you that much. He's not forcing himself on you. So maybe some of you really don't even know that tangible love of God. So you can't even love yourself because you can't yet see how Jesus sees you because you've not received salvation. So today, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of agape love just to come over you. I really feel the Holy Spirit on that one. Maybe you need the baptism of His love. You don't have to earn it, guys. You don't have to earn this. It's, it's free. It's a gift. 
then the second part is maybe you don't love yourself. Maybe you get that, you know you're saved, you know Jesus is Savior, but you don't love yourself because there's not an identity of sonship in you, and you can't forgive yourself for some of the messes you've created in your lives and other lives around you. Maybe there's something that's in you. Maybe there's some decision you made as a teenager that you just cannot get over. Listen, today's your day. It's a day to be selfish. It's a day to be in love with you. It's a day that you get to be self-centered and present yourself as a living sacrifice. He's calling you to do this. He's calling you to love you, to fall in love with you.